opportunity. Uh, I know it's uh, Murray State Day, and I, I, I do love all the, the blue and gold uh, that I see. Uh, Brad told me, he said, feel free to bring students to share uh, testimony and things of that sort. However, uh, with the spring break having just started, uh, there aren't many university students around. Uh, in fact, we have 30 of them on a couple of different mission trips. One, uh, we had a, a group that uh, arrived last night in Houston, Texas, to do some disaster relief with the North American Mission Board. In fact, a lot of our uh, cooperative program dollars that, that go to both Annie Armstrong uh, as well as the Southern Baptist Convention go to, to help our disaster relief in the North American Mission Board in some of these SEND cities. Uh, so I thank you, Umgro, for being a partner in the cooperative program. Uh, that's also how Baptist Campus Ministry is on the campus. Uh, to be a, a, a minister and a missionary to that, to that campus is uh, a privilege and an honor and made possible by the cooperative program dollars that come from our uh, Kentucky Baptist Convention churches, uh, which you are one of. Uh, Brad and I, we, we both graduated from, from Murray State, uh, gosh, I guess now 18, 19 years ago, uh, as well as Nancy. So Brad's been a, a longtime friend of mine. And uh, I'm very grateful uh, for his ministry, his leadership, his uh, his ability that the Lord has given him to teach Scripture uh, with such um, accuracy and integrity to to the Word. Uh, I'm grateful for Elm Grove and how um, you guys have partnered with us in, in campus ministry when it comes to serving meals, when it comes to uh, allowing Brad to come speak at the BCM, to inviting Murray State BCM here uh, to your church on um, Murray State BCM. CM days as well as with our progressive dinners that y'all have helped out with. Uh, we appreciate it uh, very much so. So thank you for that. Uh, Easter is two weeks from today. And so one of the things you always get excited about uh, around Easter time is not just finding these little plastic eggs, but knowing that when you open them up, they are full of some wonderful, wonderful goodies. Sometimes you open it up and it's got some, some candy in it. Sometimes you open it up, it might even have a little, little cash in it. So just kind of in the, in the spirit of Easter being right around the corner, I have, uh, I have some, 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 some flashy Easter eggs. You know, it's not just like a regular egg. A regular egg is just boring white. Or maybe if you're a chicken farmer, you might get some brown ones. I don't know how uh, you get a brown egg opposed to a white egg or how you get a white egg opposed to a brown egg. Maybe bleach is involved. I don't know. I think, I think the brown eggs are supposed to be better for you. I don't know. Anyway, these are flashy. These are flashy. Not only um, are they flashy in color, but uh, hopefully they got some substance in them. So I'm going to give these four eggs out. Who would like an egg? It doesn't have to be a child. It can be a child. You want an egg? All right, don't open it yet. I know you're super excited. You want an egg, Danny? I'll give you an egg. How about that purple guy? I tell you what, I, I have never been to Elm Grove where I've been led in worship under Danny where I haven't been brought to tears by, one, his sheer talent, and two, his heart for worship. Who else? I got a couple more. You, sir, want an egg. How about this pink guy? Can you? I'll give you the green guy. There you go. All right, I got one more. One more egg. All right, can you catch? Are you sure? Maybe. Well, if you can throw, I can catch. Perfect. Nailed it. All right. So... We got some flashy, flashy eggs. Surely when we open it up, there's going to be something of great substance in there. Uh, purple egg. Dan, you got the purple egg. Open that up. Tell us what's inside. This is going to be good. Maybe some candy. Maybe some money. Maybe some movie tickets. Who knows? What is that? A wadded up post-it note? Uh, really going? 
Just a wadded up post-it note. Just a trash, basically? I don't want to call it trash. So, wadded up paper. Okay, so an old name tag and an old post-it note. Wow. Of course, you would get that one. I'm sorry. Who's got the yellow one? All right, you, sir, open that up. Let's see what we got. This is going to be good. Yellow's the color of gold. What you got in there? Dried up glue? Like dried up glue gun glue? Wow. I'm sorry. You probably had your hopes up thinking you were going to get some Kit Kat or something. Maybe some pocket change for the offering. I'm sorry. Well, you, hey, at least you got a flashy egg. Sorry there was no substance in it. Who got, uh, who got the green guy? What you got there, son? What you got? Oh, some chalk? Maybe some uh, thumbtacks? Yeah. Some old random office supplies. Wow. I mean, I'm sure you can put those to use. How old are you? 11, 12? Uh, 10. 10? I mean, I'm, you got an office? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, all right. What about the, you got the pink one. What's in there? An old used up, is it? Is it fresh tea bag? It's already been used? It's probably still damp, isn't it? An old used up tea bag. My goodness. You come to church, you get this flashy egg, and you get your hopes up for something of substance, and you open it up and come to realize it was just flash with no substance. Well... Uh, going along with that same theme, we're going to be looking at this concept of flash versus substance. We've looked at these uh, these eggs, these flashy eggs with no substance. We're going to look uh, at a little bit of uh, how our, sometimes even our American culture paints this picture of a flashy Jesus that is not the picture of the substantial Jesus. And then we're going to kind of search our own hearts and look at where we are all flash and maybe less substance. So looking at this uh, flashy perception uh, of, of Jesus versus uh, the, the biblical spirit-revealed reality of who Jesus is, sometimes a flashy Jesus in, in our culture will be, uh, I remember a few years ago, Ashton Kutcher wore a t-shirt. Anybody remember what his t-shirt said? Jesus is my homeboy. Yeah, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is not your homeboy. He is your savior. And they're two totally different things. Um, You can follow Jesus on Twitter. Uh, There is a license plate uh, cover, holder. says, Jesus is my co-pilot. No, Jesus is your sovereign authority. He is not your pilot or your co-pilot. He is your authority. Uh, Even sometimes with this, you know, you follow Jesus, you will be healthy. You will be wealthy. You will have all this prosperity. Uh, following Jesus is oftentimes a lot about suffering and persecution. Um, maybe you follow some some folks who they they try to paint this picture and they 'll post a, uh, an image on instagram with their with their Bible open and their journal uh, with their cup of coffee and the sunset in the background with Carrie job playing uh, that 's painting a picture of flashy Jesus. Uh, this idea that Jesus is your best buddy and your best buddy just wants you to be happy or even uh, this mentality especially in the in the south where culturally it's more common yeah I, I, I go to church sometimes I try to be good yeah I believe in God of course I'm a Christian yeah Jesus and I we're tight 
but the substance, the substantial the, of who Jesus is, is, is best uh, unpacked by Paul in his letter to the Colossians. Uh, this isn't our primary text. This is our introductory text, uh, 15 through 21. He, talking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he has now reconciled in his body by flesh of his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I Paul became a minister that is much different than the aforementioned flashy qualities of Jesus and so the, the, the worldly Jesus is flash. The, the, the worldly perception of Jesus is simple flash. Uh, some examples. Always being tuned into K-Love so that, so that people won't think we listen to club jams or classic rock. Not that those are bad. Well, not that all of those are bad. Um, wearing our WWJD bracelets so that we won't have to share the gospel. People will just, will just see it uh, by the way we live and the way we act. Well, uh, nobody has ever come to faith in Christ simply through action alone, but through verbal witness of the gospel. Uh, I, you know, maybe T-bowing around campus, because obviously that's still a thing. Uh, maybe wearing our, our Christian t-shirts and having our posters in our dorms and our uh, Christian playlists on Spotify so that the cute girls will think we're the real deal. Um, uh, these things in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad, but if they define the entirety of who we are as Christ followers, then maybe we're nothing more than just simply flash with no substance. Uh, the biblical spirit revealed Jesus is substance. And this morning we're going to look at this concept of flash versus substance. This idea of uh, simple behavior versus character. This idea of uh, simple action versus the attitude of our heart. We're about to look at a, a, a story, hopefully that is one familiar uh, to us, and, and uh, Brad told me, I asked him, I'm like, what, what, what route, you know, is there a particular theme you're working with, is there something, like a particular direction you'd like me to go, and he told me about the series he was doing uh, about Bible stories you thought you knew, and so uh, I got excited when I started thinking about that, and, and this particular story came to mind. One that I had grown up hearing, but it wasn't until recently kind of understood uh, the, the, the understory of uh, have it your way. That is the slogan of what restaurant? Burger King, yes. Uh, you get what you want for yourself, for your pleasure, for your convenience there at Burger King. Uh, in, in computer world, we hate the word buffering. We hate, we hate anything that, that, that spins on the computer screen as if to imply it's loading. We want instantaneous right now. We live in a customizable world, uh, ensuring that things fit around our schedule and our needs and our desires. The consumer rules, and the consumer has rules. He is always right. 
Uh, So how do we respond when we don't get our way right away? We get pretty hacked off. You know, think about, think about this. Think of a moment in your recent past when you were brought to a place of frustration because you didn't get your way. Think about that for a second. A time in your life when you were brought to frustration because you did not get your way right away. Bless you. I, um, a few weeks ago, uh, we were, it was on a Wednesday night, we were, we were 10 minutes late leaving for fellowship supper. And I got so incredibly angry with my entire family, with even my baby who was completely innocent. Uh, I was just so angry because we were simply 10 minutes late to fellowship supper at church. It wasn't a big deal, but it really got me bent out of shape. Uh, things that are, that are silly and trivial and uh, not significant. Well, this kind of frustration is a daily reality for most of us in one way or the other. Um, even if it contradicts the biblical attributes and mandates of patience, gentleness, kindness, uh, long-suffering that we, want to, that we want to adhere to as fruit of the Spirit and as uh, outlined in Scripture. You know, we want our cable installed today. We want our Netflix so that we're able to watch instantly. We want our phones to work right here. We want our hamburger with no onions. We want to check our NCAA tournament brackets whenever, wherever, maybe even Sunday morning at church. If you're guilty of that, that's between you and the Lord. Uh, We get frustrated if we text our spouse a question while we're shopping at the grocery store and we don't hear back from her or him within 30 seconds. We want things our way right away. Well, for us, this is a struggle that we're going to encounter every single day. And we would, would we expect this type of same behavior from our Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, turn in your Bibles to Mark 11. Mark 11. Now, earlier, early in this passage, in this, in this uh, chapter, we see the triumphal entry, uh, Palm Sunday. My, uh, one of my sons is here. I have four children, three sons and a daughter. My second son, uh, anytime we talk about Palm Sunday, what do they say when he's coming in with the palm leaves? Hosanna, Hosanna. Uh, but my, my son, Frazier... Uh, he always, and if you grew up in the 80s or are familiar with 80s music, you might recognize this reference. But every time we start saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, he's like, Hosanna, Hosanna, from Toto's Rosanna. <laughs> anyway, it kind of makes me proud that he does that. Okay, so Palm Sunday had just happened, which leads up to Easter and the crucifixion, which is uh, that following that week, that's the Easter eggs. So we just had Palm Sunday. Then Friday is going to be the, 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 the death and burial of Jesus. And then on the next Sunday will be Easter Sunday. And so uh, we're going to look at the continuation of that account, uh, what happened after Palm Sunday. Most scholars believe that this account took place on Monday. Okay, so Mark 11. Let's look at, verse, we're going to skip around. Uh, we're going to look at bookends, then we're going to look at some meat. Verse 12 through 14. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Let's talk about Jesus. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard it. Jump down to verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Okay. 
Now, what what questions might this account arise in your mind? Uh, was was Jesus abusing his power? I'm Jesus. I have all authority. I'm hungry, and you fig tree don't have any figs. Therefore, you be cursed and dead. You know, was he was he having a bad day and just took his frustrations out on that little fig tree? I do that sometimes when I'm frustrated or stressed, and my and my children do something to put me on edge. I usually take it out on my dog and discipline her a little more severely. Don't call Peta. I'm just kidding. I don't beat my dog. Um, what would you say is the emotional state of Jesus in this passage? What what is his emotional state? Like, like that of a whiny child? Is he is he bitter? Is he impatient? Is he abusive of his power? Is he power hungry? Maybe he's just a little pious. I'm Jesus. Curse you. Is he bullying? Is he a bully to that poor little fig tree? Well, at first glance, this is kind of a troubling account. Like, why in the world would Jesus curse this poor little fig tree? Fig tree's done nothing. I mean, he's just sitting around in leaf, growing. It's not even the season for figs. Why would Jesus curse this tree? We can excuse the my way right away, uh, get what you want when you want it in ourselves. But Jesus, no, he's our homeboy. You know, we can throw our little temper tantrums and little fits, but not peaceful Jesus. He's patient. Of course, contextually, Jesus might have had a little right to be frustrated. Jesus and his disciples were probably hungry, as the typical first meal wasn't until mid-morning. He was aware that his time on earth was drawing near. Uh, again, this is the Monday of the week of his crucifixion. Uh, things were probably pretty stressful for him. He may have had a lot on his mind, uh, knowing his, he was about to drink the cup of his father's wrath for the sins of the world. It's a big deal. What is more alarming than Jesus' supposed validation for getting frustrated is the text tells us in verse 13 that it wasn't even the season for figs. Verse 13, and seeing the, in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And yet he still cursed it and died. Okay, well, giving Jesus the benefit of the doubt here, uh, he knows a little something contextually that we, 2,000 years later, uh, would not know or have no reason of knowing. Jesus was a native of Palestine. He grew up there and had a good grasp on the landscape and agriculture and how things grow. Uh, So why is he so mad at this little fig tree when it was not even the season for figs? Um, Well, Jesus would have seen the leaves from a long way off. He could see the tree. He could see that it had leaves. Knowing the landscape and agriculture like he did, he would have known that at the same time the leaves appear on the tree, there appears a, 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 a kind of forerunner that, that grows there prior to the fig. And it's a kind of a pre-fruit that's about the size of an almond, which is suitable for eating. And if the leaves appear, but the pre-fruit does not appear, then that's a pretty good indication that uh, there will be no figs. Well, Jesus knew that. We didn't know that. Jesus would have seen the leaves. He would have seen the exterior. He would have seen uh, this tree saying, hey, look, I'm flashy. But then he would have gone to the tree and found nothing, no pre-fruit, no substance, just leaves, the outward flash without the substance. So he cursed it and it died. Well, this new information hopefully will change our our thoughts on Jesus' perception in this story. It validates his actions. Now, if Jesus was using the, the, the tree, the fig tree, as a teaching tool, what do you think he's trying to teach us? Well, I think that our, our leaves, our flash, 
can be a deceiver of our fruit. Uh, Our actions can be a deceiver of the attitude of our heart. Our behavior can be a deceiver of our character. Uh, The shiny, flashy eggs can, can be a deceiver as to what is actually inside. Our flash can be a deception of our substance. We can put up a really good front and we can fool one another. You can fool me. You can fool Brad. You can fool your Sunday school teacher. But what is happening in the, in the contexts outside of those Christian influences? Uh, you know, sometimes students, they'll, they'll come and they'll, on the exterior, have everything together and know all the right answers and uh, exuding so much joy in ministry and knowing the right answers. But then once you enter in, you realize that they're just a shell of a Christian uh, with, with no substance on the inside. Uh, this story we'll see here in a moment serves as, as bookends to another very familiar story that we read of. Um, <clears throat> the, the leaves on the fig tree were lying to Jesus, uh, but that's not the only thing that made Jesus angry that day. Let's look at uh, the, the middle section between those two sections we read, uh, this time Mark eleven fifteen through 19. So this is after he cursed the fig tree and died. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers." And the chief priests and scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And even and when evening came, they went out of the city. So this is a story where we see Jesus angry and physically manifesting his anger like that of the Incredible Hulk. You know, just peaceful old David Banner turning to the Incredible Hulk, knocking over cars. You know, here's, here's Jesus, same way, peaceful Jesus, loving Jesus. And he's like, now he's angry, overturning these, uh, these tables of the money changer. Okay, so, so here we are. He's going into the temple courts during the festival of Passover. And here's what the temple area kind of looked like during that festival. The whole temple area was about 30 acres in size. That's about the size of four football fields. So it was rather large. And it was surrounded by walls. Uh, inside that uh, 30-acre area were a lot of other areas called courts, um, each of which being more restricted than the one prior to it. And so you had to get through one court in order to get to a more sacred court, in order to get to a more sacred court. And so the incidents we're reading here takes place on the outer court, which is called the Court of the Gentiles, a place for non-Jews to offer their sacrifices, as well as a place for Jews to prepare themselves for prayer and meditation as they went further inside uh, the temple court. Okay, so that was the original intent, but by the time of Jesus' day, it had become much more unethical and immoral and shady and seedy. Uh, All Jews had to pay a yearly tax, which they had to bring to the temple. And so for those who live far away, they would have to exchange their form of currency for, um, for an acceptable form of currency. And those there exchanging the currency would charge a fee, typically about a third. It would be like, it would be like this, like, oh, you've got, you've got your Elm Grove dollars. Uh, 
Uh, well, we only take Murray dollars. I'm sorry. But I will switch you out your 10 Elm Grove dollars. And in return, I will give you seven Murray dollars because I'm going to keep three Elm Grove dollars as my, as my fee. So you kind of see what was happening. So they were exchanging uh, forms of currency but charging a substantial fee for that. Uh, another thing, the sacrificial system of the time required unblemished doves in order to be sacrificed outside the temple for entrance. But what happened, they, uh, they had some temple inspectors. So the temple inspectors, uh, they would usually reject them, those, those doves, and they would redirect them to a vendor friend of theirs right over there selling uh, unblemished doves just for sacrificing uh, at usually an outrageous amount of money. So you see what was happening. Uh, there were some unethical, some shady things that were taken away from the attitude of the heart and were just uh, very selfish uh, in nature. Well, this, this is the scene Jesus is walking into. Well, putting yourself in his place, what do you think is going through his mind? You know, this is, this is Jesus. He is perfect. He is all authority. He knows the scriptures. He knows the heart of God. He knows the plan and the, the purpose for the temple uh, being built and the, the importance of, of corporate worship. I mean, he was furious. Uh, he was detesting these things. Uh, there was a lot of sacrilegiousness in the air. Uh, he had a, a righteous anger. Uh, he was ashamed at what they were doing. They were dishonoring uh, his father's temple. It was vulgar and disrespectful. So he is reacting so righteously passionate because this is the glory of God that we're dealing with here. Uh, and what does all of this boil down to? Jesus is looking for substance, not flash. Um, how do we see the fig tree in relation to the scene at the temple? The exterior was very inviting. Yet the inside was bare and it was dry and even evil. Uh, the outward flash with no substance. And what substance was Jesus looking for in the temple? Uh, he was looking for the attitude of the heart, being genuine in worship and not just outward behaviors. Uh, that's legalism. He was looking for a response of grace. The tree's leaves, uh, they were a promise. Uh, the promise was, if you come close to me, you're going to find something below the surface. Uh, the leaves were an indication that something was real, that something uh, sustaining, something nourishing would be found beneath the surface. Uh, just come a little closer and you'll see those leaves called out. But in the end, there was plenty of flash, plenty that looked good on the outside. But once you went inside, there was no real substance. Think about some areas of flash that, that we see in, in our, our culture's version of, of Christianity. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, we put more emphasis on our lights and our events and our bands and our ear-tickling sermons than we put on the truth of the transforming Word of God. Um, we put, uh, you know, sometimes with our, our Christian t-shirts and, and, and music and uh, our flippancy when it comes to uh, communing with the Lord and just uh, substituting that for uh, an, an outward garment or a playlist. Um, uh, even with, with Christian clubs or church attendance, you know, yes, I've, I've been to church this week. Let me check that off my christian thing to do so that I'll stay all right with God. Um, being all about a particular just, justice, social justice concern with, with no penetration of the gospel, um, lack of commitment in order to suit needs, um, having the latest and greatest this and that. Um, think about your own life. 
getting more personal, not just about cultural Christianity, but your own life. Like, what is what does Flash look like in your own life? You know, I think about sometimes, you know, just like just like that that Wednesday night we went to church ten minutes late. Uh, when I walked through those doors, everything was great and fine, and I was jovial and friendly, and my kids were perfect angels. But ten minutes prior to that, it was a completely different scene. You know, sometimes we might uh, have a have a mentality where we'll practice the disciplines, but only so that we can share those those uh, those things with others. Yes, I haven't missed a quiet time in twenty years, and I want everybody to know that. Or, or we'll study scripture only so that we can uh, uh, argue with somebody and prove a point, not to grow closer to the heart of God. Uh, what do you think substance looks like in your own life? Substance. I think initially it looks like having legitimately responded to the gospel by faith and repentance, not simply, well, I prayed a prayer, I'm going to heaven when I die, I'm going to go on living for the world. Um, uh, someone of substance is a, is a constant learner, uh, a constant learner of scripture, uh, one who constantly puts himself or herself under the authority of, of God and submissive uh, to the Holy Spirit of God and does so with an attitude of humility recognizing that it's more about the glory of God and recognizing that it's more about the body of Christ and recognizing that it's more about uh, lost people coming into the kingdom than it is about them. Um, Being continually transformed by the Spirit through the Word, uh, living out what we're learning in obedience even if it goes against social norms, desiring to go deep with Him and arranging life around certain practices to ensure that would happen, Uh, being open and obedient to wherever The Lord may send us, uh, loving one another selflessly, uh, being a disciple who in turn makes disciples. Now think about this. When you think about someone of substance, who is it that comes to mind? They might not be all that flashy on the outside, but deep in the, the depths of who they are, you know they are a person of substance. Who is someone that when you think about, they are a person of Christian substance? Who comes to mind? I would encourage you this week to maybe uh, drop them a note, send them an email, give them a call, uh, send them a text, letting them know, hey, I think you're a a person of of substance and and I admire that quality about you and I can learn a lot from you. And as we wrap up and we think about this, maybe you're here this morning and realize that you are nothing more than just outward flash and would like to talk about what it means to not be just flesh, but have inward substance through a right relationship with God through Christ. No longer going through the motions and, and playing church, uh, but submitting your lives under the authority of Jesus Christ in faith and repentance to walk in Him. Um, our flesh can deceive concerning our substance. Uh, this morning, are we willing, willing to confess and repent of that? Um, those areas of our life that are simply uh, leafy flash with very little substance. Uh, take a. Are we willing to look inside and to see if the, the the flash we have on the outside is due to the substance, or if we're just um, only flash and just an empty shell on the inside? I'm going to pray for us. We're going to uh, respond as the Lord leads as we sing. And uh, I think some. Uh, let's see. I think Clint might be if, here if any decisions might need to be made concerning the church, altars open for prayer and whatnot. So I trust you'll respond as the Lord leads. Uh, Father, we do thank you.
and for the grace that we have that's found in Christ Jesus and for the, the, the life that you have come to give us through him. Uh, not just life eternally, but life abundantly. I pray, Lord, that, that you would find us uh, faithful as Christ followers to be men and women who take seriously our call to discipleship. Um, and that we would posture our lives around uh, these practices so that we will grow in knowledge of who you are, knowledge of who you've called us to be, knowledge of what you would like us to do. Lord, I pray that um, if we're simply trying to uh, earn our way into a right relationship with you through our, our good deeds and our religiosity, that you would convict us of that uh, and affirm to us that it is only through our response to who Jesus is, that we have right relationship with you. Uh, Lord, help us not be legalists, but help us walk in the grace that comes from you. And then as a response, may we grow in substance. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for this time together. And we pray, Lord, that as uh, you lead, uh, we will be faithful and obedient to respond. In Christ's name, amen.